0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: We are less than three hours from the third college football playoff rankings and there's sure to be plenty of turnover. (laughs) Good one, Mike. We'll give you the Six's best six teams, the Celtics. Go for 13 in a row, and this masked man is back from a facial fracture. It means bad news for Brooklyn, but it's about to be business as usual so far as Kyrie's concerned. The Process produced 32-16 and 16 last night. I'll ask Bill Self whether he knew Joel Embiid would grow up to be this good and whether his Jayhawks can counter Kentucky's size tonight on ESPN. Le'Angelo Ball and two of his UCLA teammates presently on a flight home from China. What's on the horizon as far as their immediate college basketball futures? And we got planes and we got trains on the six. LeBron took the subway then took it to the Knicks. Jerry Jones says he wants to slow down the Roger Goodell extension train. And oh yeah, Oscar's training to fight Connor. How's that for doing too much?
2: Okay, who you
3: are, King? What, what do you call yourself, King Quinn, Princess, whatever you are?
1: And here are tonight's six at six. You know how we do, and you know I'll show plenty of love to my Sixers before shows in but let's start the best 60 minutes of your day with mass Kyrie the best Kyrie with apologies to unsuck Kyrie
4: before the game today he said he looks the best because he looks like the dark Knight.
5: Irving gets it deep in the corner Fires up a three and puts it in. This kid is a lethal shooter. The masked man putting on a show. Irving down the lane. Get that masked man. He is enjoying the bright lights of Madison Square Garden. His first 40-point game of his career. I think it's an easy bet to make but he will be the last. This kid is incredible. Now, that was the
1: first of three 40-plus point games for Masked Kyrie, who suffered a fracture below his right eye when he was inadvertently elbowed by teammate Aaron Baines in Boston's win over Charlotte Friday night. Missed Sunday's win over Toronto, but is back against Brooklyn tonight. So one night after LeBron put on the show on Broadway, Kyrie gets to play Phantom of the Opera, if you will, at Barclays Center. Just the opening act, though, says he expects to be masked for a couple of weeks. Here's Kyrie, mask Off.
0: I hate wearing it, but
1: uh, somehow it's caused the craze. Uh... On Instagram, and, uh, as well as
4: social media, just the masked, masked man, I, uh, you know, but I understand that it's just for my safety. So, um, you know, throw a mask or, for a few weeks and go about
1: my business. My old friend Chris Forsberg covers the Celtics for ESPN.com, and he is in Brooklyn. Celtics going for 13 in a row, powered by the best defensive efficiency and opponent field goal percentage since October 20th. As you know, Chris, from an insider's perspective, what's the story of this 12 game run?
2: Michael, to me, the story has been Brad Stevens. You think about it, when Kyrie goes out on Friday night against Charlotte, they don't have Kyrie, they don't have Al Horford, they don't have Gordon Hayward. That's $77 million worth of talent on the sideline. I'm looking at Boston's bench. They've got six rookies, a guy who was overseas in Europe, and they're down 18 points, and yet Brad Stevens finds a way to push all the right buttons and get the team to come back and win that game. I marvel. It's like, again... uh, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford have been spectacular, and the younger guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have really stepped up in big situations. But Brad has just pushed all the right buttons. This team could have really rolled over when they lost Gordon Hayward and they lost those first two games. But Brad's dialed up all these right things. He kept these guys motivated, and they found a way to win.
1: Yeah, and Danny Ainge looks great for trading down for Jason Tatum clutch as he has been. You want to talk about stepping up in big moments. Starts with him. Now, I mentioned Mass Kyrie. We know that he can get buckets with or without it. He's the story His return tonight. However, there were doubts, there have been doubts about his ability to be a consistent defender. What part has he played in the C's D, and what, if anything, is he doing differently at that end of the floor?
2: You know, it's funny, Michael, as he was on his way to his first meeting with Brad Stevens after getting traded to Boston, and his car broke down put diesel fuel in a new engine and got stuck in Bentley University in Waltham. And so he shows up a little late. Brad's okay with it. Hey, you got to give your uh, new superstar a little slack. But he says, hey, Kyrie, here's our tape. Here's what we do defensively. All you have to do is be in the right spots, and everything else will take care of itself. And when you got Al Horford behind you protecting that back line, things get a little bit easier. But, you know, Kyrie is just, listen, he's bought in. He's been willing to be an active defender and just be in the right spots and that's translated to to very good defense and you know, listen, they need that motivation the younger guys see that and they want to step up as well
1: We're looking for some great offense from mask Kyrie tonight, he had three 40 point games as a Cavalier first mask opportunity uh, in a Celtics uniform, Chris Forsberg always bringing it with the knowledge, we appreciate it with a win, Boston will break a tie with the 06-07 Mavericks for the longest win streak by a team immediately following an 0-2 or worse start a season, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, Golden State on Thursday, looking forward to that. Then a three-game road trip to Atlanta, Dallas, and Miami after that, but let's not look past an improved Brooklyn Nets team. Jerry Jones, can't stop, won't stop, uh-uh. Oh, y'all thought this was a game. The Cowboys owner and GM said he will not back off the threat of suing the NFL and several other owners if the compensation committee comes to an agreement with Commissioner Roger Goodell on an extension. Jones also said he has not received any cease and desist notices from the competition committee, contrary to yesterday's New York Times report. Here's more of what Jones said today.
4: Roger has almost 18 months. He has 18 months left on him. We've got all the time in the world to uh, evaluate uh, Uh, What we're doing, Uh, we've got all the time in the world to extend him. Uh, We just need to slow this train down and uh, discuss the issues at hand in the NFL. NFL
1: insider Jim Trotter is here now. So, Jim, it's easy to just dismiss Jerry Jones as being a troublemaker and trying to flex his his power, his muscle. (laughs) But does he have a point about wanting to slow down this process? Why is the league so eager to get Roger Goodell extended with 18 months left on his deal?
0: You know, it's interesting, Michael. I asked that exact question to Joe Lockhart, the league's chief communications executive, and he said that the owners, when they went forward with trying to extend Rogers' contract, had one thing in mind, and that's that they had several milestones on the horizon that they knew they needed to address. Number one... They knew that the collective bargaining agreement was going to expire or is due to expire after the 2020 season. Two, they also have network TV deals that are set to expire after the 2021 and 2022. And so the owners, there was a sense that it was best to get Roger locked up past those milestones to be able to address that. The other thing here, Michael, too, is precedent. Roger's contract has been extended twice, once in 20, or once in 2009 and once in 2012. On both occasions, he had at least a year and a half left on his deal. So that's part of this as well. Let's stay with the train analogy and slowing the train down, pumping the brakes. This negotiation
1: seems like, from a public perception standpoint, is kind of on the verge of becoming somewhat of a train wreck. I just wonder, once this extension, assuming it does get done, Jim, has the damage already been done as it relates to the overall harmony in that room of owners as it relates to their collective support of Roger Goodell?
0: But, you know, Michael, we've seen this. Uh, this has been on in the works for a while now. You go back to the L.A. situation where folks felt the commissioner should have been stronger in terms of handling that situation. Jerry Jones was the one who basically struck that deal for Stan Kroenke to go from St. Louis to L.A. There have been a number of issues here with Roger that some owners have concern about whether it was domestic violence, whether it's personal conduct among players and how he handles that, whether it's the LA situation. I can tell you this, even prior to Jerry Jones coming out publicly Mm -hmm. and trying to slow the train down here, there were owners who said to me back in March, be on the lookout, Roger may have to earn his money now, meaning that some of his money would be put in incentives. Instead of guaranteed. So, this is not something new. As much as folks want to say Jerry is upset about the Ezekiel deal, which he is, other owners had been talking about this privately as far back as March.
1: Roger getting a little bit of a taste of how the other half lives, almost like a player negotiation here. What the good news is, you still haven't <laughs> heard, from Roger's perspective, you still haven't heard uh, definitive names as it relates to possible replacements. So you're right, maybe it's just par for the course for a very complicated negotiation. Jim Trotter, appreciate the insight, man. Uh, topic number three, take three. Third college playoff rankings released tonight on ESPN Alabama. The likely top team given Georgia's loss, but who's number two? We could see a record rise up the rankings if it's Miami. Last week's number seven. Last week's number five, Oklahoma, beat 6 ranked TCU, so they've got a solid case as well. Coming off an impressive win over Iowa, due the Badgers crack the top four as one of three remaining unbeaten Power 5 teams? Ohio State went from getting curb stomped by Iowa to beating the brakes off of Michigan State. They can clinch the Big Ten East this weekend and will probably face Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Where do the Buckeyes land, and do they actually still have a shot at the playoff? But perhaps the weekend's biggest winner, Auburn, How much respect does knocking off last week's top team get the Tigers tonight? Keep in mind, no two-loss team has been ranked in the top six this early, but Auburn looks like it's going to change that. Here's the moment you've all been waiting for. My top six, don't at me. Alabama, Clemson, I continue to say. Worst loss with all respect to Syracuse, but best excuse, losing Kelly Bryant. That Auburn win looks so much better this week than it did before. I got Miami at three, Oklahoma at four, and just on the outside looking in Wisconsin and Auburn. You are now looking at Booger McFarlane who joins me now from Chicago. Booger, what's your top six?
3: For me, I'm gonna start with Alabama number one. I got Miami number two after that big win against Notre Dame. I'm gonna bump Oklahoma up to number three after beating TCU. Number four for me are the Clemson Tigers. I think the Kelly Bryant injury is helping them out because the committee is not holding that loss against them. And then really quick, Michael, five and six for me, Wisconsin at five, Auburn at number six. I think the Auburn Tigers have everything left in front of them. After beating Georgia, now you get Alabama in the Iron Bowl and then another opportunity against Georgia again. They have a chance to be three top ten teams in a matter of four weeks. That's unheard of.
1: So you're saying a two-loss Auburn team you can certainly see getting in, given their remaining schedule and given the way they're rolling right now. So if a two lost Auburn team, that means, as you mentioned, they will have beaten Alabama in the Iron Bowl two weeks from now. That point spread has already done. This is shrunk. So if Auburn is in, does that definitively mean that Alabama is out? Uh, In other words, can we go ahead and get rid of the idea of two SEC teams in the top four when it's all said and done?
3: Well, I don't think you get rid of it, but I do think the conversation would then come down to an eleven and one Alabama team. And let's just go look in the ACC. Let's say Miami finishes out the season, regular season undefeated, and Miami loses to Clemson in the ACC title game. Then you have Clemson in the playoff, and now you have a twelve and one Miami team. And if those two scenarios happen. Who are you putting in? Are you putting an 11-1 and Alabama team in with all the pedigree and everything that they have? Or are you putting a 12-1 and Miami team that has a huge <laughs> win against Virginia Tech, an even better win against Notre Dame? I'm not saying that Alabama is done, but I think in that scenario, the committee might lean toward Miami because of that big win against Notre Dame.
1: Booker, settle something for me and, and my staff, because we've been arguing about this all day. My, I had smoke coming out of my ears. I get a headache with all these scenarios that you college football experts put forth when it comes to (laughs) what might happen. College football is the most cross that bridge when we get to a sport there is because last week it was like, oh, Wisconsin (laughs) going to get left out, two SEC teams, and then Georgia loses. Oh, Notre Dame, the independents going to crash. Then Notre Dame loses. It's like it will all play itself out, and somebody's going to get played, but it will all play itself out on the field as it always does, right? Why do we worry about what's happening two and three weeks from now?
3: Well, because I think, Michael, we're a week-to-week society. Everyone's a prisoner <laughs> of the moment now. Who's going to be in the top four tonight? Realizing that the season doesn't end for a couple of weeks. So I understand what everybody's doing. Is it funny hey, think you? about this, Mike. If you we like just, it? No, it, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely great because guess what? I got a job tonight. So at halftime, or excuse me, in between the two games tonight, because we want to see up-to-the-minute information, you're going to see me out there, and we're going to be talking about the top four. If we just waited till the end of the season, right. I wouldn't have a job. So stop trying to put me no, out of a job, Look,
1: I, I'm, I'm dependent on it, too. I need people to watch this ranking show, too. We're all dependent on the bottom line. So, yes, please watch the ranking show and watch more expert analysis from Boogie McFarlane about rankings that will be moot points as the weeks go on. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. <laughs> UCLA freshmen LiAngelo Ball, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill, who had been detained in China for the past week on suspicion of shoplifting, are headed back to the United States. Delta's flight tracker currently shows that two planes departed from Shanghai at around the same time, Tuesday night, local time. Both are scheduled to arrive at LAX at around 5 Pacific. UCLA will hold a news conference tomorrow with Ball, Riley, Hill, head coach Steve Alford, and athletic director Dan Guerrero. Uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott said in a statement that the matter has been resolved to the satisfaction of the Chinese authorities, and we are all very pleased that these young men have been allowed to return home to their families and university. I believe that press conference will be seen on ESPN News tomorrow at 2. Jeff Goodman is in Chicago for the Champions Classic. Do we have Jeff Goodman? There he is. Uh, We'll circle back to Duke, Michigan State later on, Jeff. But as for UCLA, what's next for these players?
5: Well, they're going to have a news conference tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. And generally, if you're going to have a news conference, it's not going to be to dismiss these players. There's going to be some sort of suspension announced likely tomorrow morning uh, with these three guys, Le'Angelo Ball, uh, Cody Riley, and, and Jalen Hill. I spoke to Jalen Hill's father earlier today. He didn't want to comment on the situation, but you could just sense the relief, Michael, that he had in his voice because he wasn't over in China. And just the fact that his son is back here after hearing everything that could have happened, and now again with Trump getting involved, uh, with with Alibaba getting involved, certainly some heavy hitters, these kids are back and they're going to be on U.S. soil soon.
1: All right, we'll certainly react plenty to that tomorrow, getting that press conference carried live tomorrow to Eastern on ESPN News. And Jeff Goodman, uh, since you're so plugged into the Ball family, I want to keep it all in the family and talk Alonzo Ball, who went three for ten, seven points, five assists, five rebounds, two steals, four turnovers, and zero burn in the fourth quarter as Luke Walton rode with Jordan Clarkson and Corey Brewer to get the win ending a three-game losing streak getting the win in Phoenix. Alonzo said, we got a win, so I got no complaints. He's obviously got a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations, a lot of comparisons, unfair and Invalid comparisons to the Magic Johnson and Jason kids of the world. So maybe this is just old school kids sitting and learning while the vets take home the win. Jeff, how big of a deal is this that Lonzo sat for the fourth quarter last night? A game after being the youngest player ever to record a triple-double.
5: You know, not a big deal. I mean, he's going to be out there. He's still the cornerstone, the franchise player for the L.A. Lakers going forward. But I think Luke Walton certainly sends a message Uh, And it's twofold. I mean, listen, he wants to see Lonzo Ball be more aggressive, get into the paint make things happen. But when talking to people around the league, part of the problem here, Michael, is the cast that Lonzo Ball has around him. He's obviously a facilitator, doesn't have a ton of guys yet that can consistently make shots. Sure, Brandon Ingram can do it at times. Uh, Sure, we've seen Kyle Kuzma do it early in his NBA career. But what Lonzo Ball needs, he needs guys that can make shots around him in order for him, him to be consistently effective.
1: Especially when he's not making his. Hey, Jeff Goodman, we'll talk to you later on about tonight's Duke-Michigan State game. Meanwhile, it's been 19 days since the Yankees parted ways with Joe Girardi, and the Bombers are showing Aaron Judge-like patience in finding a replacement. Helps that there are no other managerial openings. The Yankees have already interviewed Eric Wedge and Rob Thompson. Uh, Hensley Mullins reportedly has an interview on Friday with ESPN's own Aaron Boone soon to follow. And then there's the possibility of the newly retired Carlos Beltran. Buster only. Buster what it is right now. How long is this search going to last?
6: Well, Mike, I think you laid it out perfectly. The fact that the Yankees aren't competing against any team, I think, has given them the, the feeling that, look, we don't have to rush through this. I do think probably sometime before the winter meetings, they'll have their manager in place Carlos Beltran is someone they have great respect for. You wonder if the timing is going to be right with him just having retired. He might want to take some time off. Hensley Mullins and Aaron Boone are two serious candidates. Mullins, uh, who's the bench coach of the Giants right now, very respected, knows a lot of languages, really connects with players. And Aaron Boone, to me, is a clone of Terry Francona from a baseball family, connects with people, has a great sense of humor, and is very open-minded to analytics.
1: All right. Uh, Meanwhile, at the winter meetings, the GM meetings in Orlando, the buzz is Giancarlo Stanton of the Miami Marlins, at least for now. Of course, coming off that 59 homer season, most of any player since 2001, tied for the ninth most in Major League history, but has that gargantuan contract. I always love that word gargantuan. So so rare you get to use it in a sentence. Um, What are you hearing about the Marlins asking price? Is it matching in its gargantuan-esque It
6: is absolutely matching in his massive size. And look, they've had conversations with a number of different teams. Right now, it looks like the Cardinals and the Giants are probably the teams that have expressed the most interest to this point. But trading Stanton is such a complicated issue because of the contract size. $295 million over 10 years. Oh, by the way, he can opt out after 2020. Oh, by the way, he has a full no-trade clause. And that's why I'm hearing from a lot of teams. Look... Uh, The asking price at this point for the Marlins is not realistic. It's not in touch with reality. Here's something that's been surprising so far in this conversation for me uh, is that there's been very little contact between the Marlins' new ownership and Stanton, who they need to get to agree to a deal. (laughs) And I'm surprised they're not wooing him because at some point they're going to bring some deal for him to veto or accept.
1: So everything is just fine. Uh, Buster Oni is in the house with the knowledge (laughs) as always. We appreciate it, brother.
4: Champions Classic is a tremendous tip-off to the season. You look at the teams that are in it with Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and us, I mean, that's rare air. And
6: the title has returned to its old Kentucky home.
5: Playing the level of teams that are in this field, it's the ultimate challenge.
6: Michigan State has won the national championship.
5: Mike Sheshewski, we've had some wars that they've won
4: more of than we have. The best characteristic from each one of them would be a level of maintaining a
0: program.
6: Back the top college basketball's
0: elite. Each program has its own culture, and there are a lot of outstanding ones. You learn from being with those guys.
6: Kansas, they are now your national champions.
4: We have three of the pillars of our profession, and Coach Krzyzewski, Coach Izzo, and Coach Calipari. You know, I steal from everybody. These are three that I stole a lot from.
0: We're lucky to be coaching college basketball. We also know that everyone's not going to win. Yeah, the Holy Grail goes to one.
1: All right, basketball insider Jeff Goodman rejoins me. The man covers the NBA, college basketball, international diplomacy, whatever you need. Uh, speaking of tonight's doubleheader, let's start with uh, Duke Michigan State. What's the buzz within the NBA scouting community heading into that game, given all the prospects that'll be on the floor tonight?
5: Yeah, I mean, Michael, you got so many. It starts with Marvin Bagley from Duke. He could be the number one overall pick. Wendell Carter on the front line with him, a top ten pick. you got a couple more guys. Marquise Bolden, also 6'11", first-round pick. Trayvon Duvall, point guard. And then on the other side for Michigan State, Miles Bridges comes back to school as a sophomore, and he could have been a lottery pick last year. The really intriguing one, the one that a lot of guys are talking about right now, is Jaron Jackson, Jr., He's 6'11". His dad played at Georgetown, was a guard years ago. But a lot of NBA guys really intrigued with him, and they also want to see how Duvall plays for Duke because he's a guy who came in with a lot of hype but hasn't looked good in the preseason but has looked good in their first two games against subpar competition.
1: All right, and going to the nightcap, Kansas and Kentucky. I'll talk to Bill Self about the Jayhawks in a second, so I'll ask you about the Wildcats. Um, Having come out of the gates, you know, firing on all cylinders, I think Calipari has gone with two different lineups each game, all freshmen if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Why is this U.K. team different than previous uh, Cal incarnations at Kentucky?
5: You know, Cal always says, you know, we're the youngest team in the country, and usually you look at them, they're like 8th or 10th or 15th. But this time he's right. I mean, they are the youngest in terms of inexperience. They start five freshmen, as you said. But the bigger thing for this Kentucky team – They do not have a superstar. Every year from the first time he got to Lexington, when he had John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, they've had that guy. And right now, they don't have it. They've got Kevin Knox, who's a good player. They've got Hamidi Diallo, who's a good player. Who's going to turn into that lottery pick, that guy that they can give the ball to, games on the line to make a play? That's the key for this Kentucky team. Who steps forward, if anybody, because if not, they're going, to, they're going to rely on balance, and I'm not sure that's going to be enough to get to the Final Four.
1: All right, Jeff Goodman with the knowledge from the State Farm Champions Classic. It's early, but this might be the best night of college basketball, at least in the regular season. So Better settle be. in and enjoy it. <laughs> A couple old friends get together tonight on ESPN. Bill Self and John Calipari, one of three coaching counterparts that have met twice in a national championship game, first in 08 when Cal was still at Memphis. Shout out to Mario Chalmers. Uh, four years later, Calipari was in his third season at Kentucky when Anthony Davis and the heavily favored Wildcats won the school's eighth national championship. And tonight, they meet for the sixth time as AP-ranked opponent since Calipari arrived in Lexington, third most among non-conference matchups in that span. All right, and it's my pleasure to welcome in Kansas head coach Bill Self, joining me as he gets set to tip off against Kentucky in a few hours in the State Farm's Champions Classic over on ESPN. Coach, obviously, first and foremost, you're looking to beat a good, although young, Kentucky team, talented as usual. But besides the win, what do you hope to learn about your team with an early-season test such as this?
4: Well, I I think see how we can play with boys, see if we can – understand it's a long game and not let any situation in the game you know affect next play and 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 uh but there's there's a lot of things i I think our toughness level i think you know rebounding the ball certainly against a a team of that size and that length will will certainly be a a a big challenge for us but we're going to need you know uh good guard play from 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 malik and and uh and from LeGerald, Spee and, and, and Devontae. And if we're able to get that, you know, done, then, then uh, I would think that that, uh, uh, that would even the playing field quite a bit, even though they are much longer. You're Jayhawks.
1: You guys are going, as you know, uh, for your 14th straight regular season Big 12 title. That would be an NCAA record for most consecutive regular season conference titles. Now, needless to say, at Kansas, uh, a conference title, that's always one of your goals for the season. But how much do you all discuss the possibility of making history?
4: Uh, I don't even know that we will. I I think the media will probably take
0: care of that
1: for us. (laughs) That's uh, what I'm here
4: for. But I think subconsciously uh, there is some hidden pressure that you don't want to be the team not to do it. But I just want this team to win their first this year. There you go. Uh, One in a row
1: um, for this year's j Hulk team when it comes to the Big 12. Speaking of the good players you've had come through Lawrence, my favorite player nowadays is Joel Embiid, the process. I'm not sure how much you get to watch him these days. But did you know, you had him for a short time, but did you know that he'd be this good, as in potentially all-time great big man
4: good? Uh, I actually did. Uh, I I remember going to a Hall of Fame event in Springfield about three years ago, and I was talking to Calvin Murphy, and uh, he didn't know me. And and, uh, I said, hey, I coached this big guy this past year that that people are saying is like a Keeman. I think he is. I, I think he is, but he's bigger. There's so many similarities from his footwork, you know. He's seven foot two now and, and, and uh, he's grown. You know, he just gotta stay healthy and be able to, you know, you know, play seventy five games a year. And if he's able to do that, I, I do think that in time he'll go down as one of the best big men ever to play. He's also got one heck of a sense of humor. Did you know that he grew up to be yeah, a part time yeah, comedian off the court and on the court sometimes? We thought he was, you know, with us. He, he only understood English if, if it benefited him. If, <laughs> if, if somebody said something like a coach that didn't benefit him, oh, coach, I don't understand at all. Uh, you know, but but uh, uh, he's got personality, uh, and he's, he, he, he is very, very, very bright, and, and he gets it. And so my little talks with the, with the Sixers have been, uh, you know, he's totally captivated the city, and, and, and uh, they expect big things and selling the place out, and a large part is due to his personality.
1: Awesome. Well, we appreciate the time, Coach Self. Good luck tonight against Kentucky and look okay. forward to talking to you down the road as you chase that 14th, I'll, I'll beg your pardon, that first in a row uh, Big 12 regular season title. Thank you, Coach. In case you missed it, don't worry, I got you. Here's who I've got in the top six. Bama, Clemson, I test, worst loss, best excuse me. Uh, Miami, Oklahoma with Wisconsin and Auburn just on the outside uh, looking in. Again, don't at me or do. Either way, either way. Uh, now I got Joey Galloway. Joey, what's your top six?
7: I'm gonna start with Alabama, even okay. though they looked a little sluggish on defense against Mississippi State. Uh, then I'll go Oklahoma. Um, after them, Clemson, Miami, um, Wisconsin, and then I'll take Auburn at number six. I
1: like that order, though. That's 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 a different order than I've seen earlier. But you got Alabama number one. That's the expectation. Any chance the committee throws a bit of a curveball and, say, puts Miami all the way up to number one?
7: I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I I would be surprised. I I guess Oklahoma is a team that has knocked off Ohio State on the road. Uh, They beat Oklahoma State, uh, and then they just beat number six, TCU. So I think if anybody has an argument in this whole thing, it, it would be Oklahoma. I would never get on the committee because honestly, because Miami and, and Clemson will eventually play each other and the winner will get in. To me, it doesn't matter where those two teams are ranked in the top four right now. All right, so you got Wisconsin at number five. I talked about this with Booker McFarlane earlier.
1: Like last week's storyline was Barry Alvarez saying an undefeated Power Five conference champion should never be left out of the playoff. And it was like, well, will there be two SEC teams? Will an independent Notre Dame get in? And Georgia and Notre Dame both lost. It seems to take care of itself. So I wonder, are people too worried about what would happen with an undefeated Wisconsin team if it wins out being left out? Are people too worried about that right now?
7: Of course we are, because that's what we do. Uh, but uh, at this stage, and I wouldn't have said this last week, but now if Wisconsin wins out, they will get in. I just mentioned that uh, either either Clemson or Miami is going to lose ga- another game, so one of those teams has to come out. And Wisconsin now with, is sitting in a position to knock off Michigan this week, who will be ranked, and then they'll have a shot at Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. They'll get in if they win out. So with that said, give me a two-loss team or
1: teams that has a good chance of ending up in the playoffs. I, I, I imagine you're going to... Who, who, who might have two losses? I'm, I'm not, not going to say Ohio State for you because I don't want to state the obvious, but give me a two-loss team that can get to the playoffs.
7: Well, obviously is Auburn. Uh, honestly, and even though Auburn has two losses, one of them bad uh, to, to LSU, one of them good to Clemson on the road... But if Auburn's playing somebody this weekend, I don't know if there's a team in the country that I am picking to beat Auburn because of what they look like against Georgia. So if Auburn goes on to beat Alabama and then faces Georgia again in the SEC championship game, they can absolutely get into this thing and might be the favorite. They look that good against Georgia this past weekend.
1: What about uh, Ohio State or USC? Any chance of them getting in the playoffs? You, you seem, it, it seems impossible you, to keep Ohio there, State out you of you the know playoffs what? for some reason.
7: They could get in, and USC could also get in. I think the loss of Notre Dame has opened this thing up. Uh, The way Notre Dame lost, uh, the way Georgia lost, they're looking so bad. It'll be interesting to see tonight how far those two teams drop, and and that'll sort of answer this question. But because Ohio State is sitting there and they'll be top ten tonight, and USC, uh, they were 12, they'll be top ten tonight. So those teams are absolutely in this thing simply because uh, surprises have happened Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of football left to be played. The fun
1: is in the fodder. Joey Galloway, we appreciate it.
6: smiling at him. Six to shoot. James steps down.
1: LeBron James from downtown. Yo, Clyde called it. How come Walt Frazier knew the scouting report, but the Knicks went and let LeBron play hero in Gotham? Anyway, LeBron basically called Frank uh, Nilekina a mistake and called out Ennis Cantor for coming to this guy's defense. So we should have known it was going to come down to this. I'll say this. The Cavs won the game, but the Knicks won the night because they won a lot of respect. But well, LeBron won the war of words, though, because he's won a lot. I'll
2: tell you one thing. This
3: team is really special, and you ain't coming to my house playing that water bottle flip game again. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't care who you are, king, what, what do you call yourself, king, queen, princess, whatever you are, you know, we're going to fight, and, and nobody out there going to punk us. Well, I'm the king,
1: my wife is the queen, and my daughter is the princess, so we got all three covered. <laughs> nice hat, nice comeback from 23 down for 23 and the boys, and nice social media synchronization, guys, working together swimmingly on IG with the Arthur memes. I'm sorry, I admit it, I don't get it that's not saying much, maybe I should get it because I guess it's going to be a thing this year meanwhile, you're welcome you're all welcome, says LeBron on Instagram, King of New York hashtag my favorite playground, okay Frank White, we see you um, my takeaway from the past few days LeBron holds a grudge, he was bored Loves the attention of the theater and the stage. In other words, things we already knew. And you may know that he has now won eight straight games at MSG. 18 and 7 there all time with an average of 28.7 to 6 and 6 rebounds per game. If he keeps it up, he might be almost as good as social media as Joel Embiid. Did you see my guy go to work last night, play a career high 36 minutes, 32 points, 16 rebounds and shots at both DeAndre Jordan and Willie Reed?
3: And I just wanted to go inside, especially against uh, DJ and uh, uh, I don't know what's his name, but uh, that both fired out and that was my job today. That means I did a great job on them
1: and uh, they couldn't guard me. So uh, it, was, it was a great win and uh, we on to the Lakers now. Gift that keeps on giving. Speaking of gifted, Ben Simmons. Flight work, 22, 12, boards, seven dunks, most of any player this season. Sixers-Lakers tomorrow on ESPN. The homie SVP got an interview with Simmons tonight on SportsCenter. I can't lie, I'm a little jealous. And they don't even have full shit. He's still out here shooting left-handed. You know what they do have, though? Robert Covington, one of the best 3 and D guys and the most efficient catch-and-shoot player in the game, arguably. The poster child for the process. And he's about to get PAID. That's why my moms hate me. Sam Hankey's undrafted gem eligible to sign an extension tomorrow, and Philly is in the process of locking him up. Nice stuff. I'm just going to overlook my Clippers losing six in a row and just shout out my Sixers. Still trusting, always. Bandwagon, still plenty of room. I don't know if they're happier about advancing to the World Cup, Sweden, and knocking off Italy or knocking out Italy for the first time since 58, or because they are doing too much honorable mention, and this is doing too much countdown. That is how you celebrate. That's how you do television, right there. I should do, okay, do I have death collapse like that? Are we that cheap? Congratulations. They do? Okay. Rob, I will make sure that I do not dive on the desk anytime soon. All right, let's go to Chicago with uh, Bobby Portis back with his Bulls teammates playing well and following an A game suspension for punching Nikola Miritich. Miritich refuses to talk to Portis, and Portis has tried to apologize to Miritich, but Executive VP John Paxton, he basically said that the days of accommodating Miritich are over. See, the Bulls can't trade him until January 15th. The way Portis is playing, they probably don't want to trade him at all. So that's two months of this situation to linger. Paxson is telling Miritich to get over it and move on. And that's easy to say when you not the guy that got punched in the face by a teammate. So this situation needs resolution somehow, some way. I feel for Miritich, the Bulls, as usual, in a tough spot. Uh, after refusing to back down on Monday, Conor McGregor reversed course and apologized today for his actions last Friday in Dublin saying I let my emotions get the best of me and acted out of line. I'm hold myself to a higher standard. I kind of saw it as counter, countering, like acted out of line. Like, I didn't know he had lines. Meanwhile, Oscar De La Hoya says he's been secretly training and proceeded to call out Conor McGregor, saying I'm faster than ever and stronger than ever. I know I can take out Conor McGregor in two rounds. I'll come back for that fight. Two rounds, just one more fight. I'm calling him out. How about that? You know, that's going to be a no for me, dog, because you're trying to get paid because a bunch of suckers out there paid for Mayweather and McGregor and it turned out better than we thought. No, you're not getting our money for De La McGregor. Doesn't have the same ring to it. It's not, it, it's Mac. Is what is it? Day Mac? No. Uh-uh, absolutely not. Meanwhile, don't shoot me young blood. I got a girlfriend. I got a wife on the side. De-de! Dede. oh Say something else. Cam Newton, never boring in press conferences. But you know what? You look good, you play good. He didn't look that good, but he did play well. For four touchdowns over against the Dolphins, 95 yards rushing. Panthers, bye week perfect time to get Olsen back, although they lost Curtis Samuel. Power Rangers on ESPN.com have them as the fifth-best NFC team, number 10 overall. They're my third-ranked NFC team behind the Saints and Eagles in that order. Before I call the day, let me tell you we had a good day. It's a good day for Braxton Beverly, who will be able to play for North Carolina State tonight after the NCAA reconsidered and granted his transfer waiver. Finally, the freshman left Ohio State when Thad Motta was fired but was told he was ineligible because he had taken an early enrollment class there last May. They had twice denied his request. Third time is a charm. That's it for me. Check out the Champions Classic on ESPN and we will see you tomorrow.